welcome to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week, we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and at 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also visit YouTube channels for both CHHA 1610 AM and Greg Fenton. Listen to podcasts of each radio show by visiting either of soundcloud.com or iTunes podcasts under Mediation Station in the Arts area. Please follow us at our Twitter account at Fenton Mediation. So for tonight, our topic is called Evolving Transformation After Trauma from Victim to Survivor to Thriver with Louise Blay. And uh, Louise is uh, with me. Hi, Louise. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for visiting with uh, me here. Uh, I appreciate uh, to be able to talk to you. Absolutely. So you're calling in because that's the format for the time being. And, you know, in-person type of thing for me is much more engaging. We have to deal with our realities, and this is a reality for the time being. And so I appreciate you taking the opportunity to call in and share Thank with you. us. Yeah. How about you start off and share some information about your professional background, please? Uh, well, uh, I, I'm a teacher. I'm a high school teacher, but I had to go back to school with two kids under my arms. <laughs> it was a difficult time to go back to school, and uh, now I'm a teacher. But now, I, lately, I wanted to, uh, um, because I've been in a difficult situation many years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a two-year-old, and a, I was pregnant, and I had to to run away to a shelter. But now I'm, you know, like after many years of studying, I became a teacher, and I've, I've I'm thriving, and now I think it's time for me to return the favor and uh, in the sense that I got help when I was in in pro- you know like in that situation, so right. I wanted to give back so explain, I did a lot of uh, share, share we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit after let's we'll build upon this okay Let, let's uh, unpack first a little why did you when you decided to uh, get professional uh, training, why did you gravitate towards teaching? What is it about teaching? Oh, well, uh, teaching for me is, uh, it's actually make a difference in my students' life. And uh, I have a very uh, human approach because growing up I had learning disability and uh and when i'm teaching is and i can feel if someone is struggling and i'm really empathy with it and i can find a way to make them um see the problem in another way mm-hmm. and then they see the light and then they just light up and it's such a thrill to see that so that's why i went to teaching well, and I want to give a, a yeah. 
Okay. I want to be with my children most of the time. You know, like uh, the the longer I was with my children, the better it, it it could be. And what is the best profession to be a teacher and be with the kids in the summertime and during the holiday and all that stuff? So that was my priority. My children were pri my priority. What age group do you teach at school? Now I'm teaching in high school, but I taught all the, the all the level. Is there a particular topic area that you focus on in terms of your teaching subject matter? Well, I, I teach about anything, and this year I will teach history and geography and French. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but I want to incorporate uh, some of the learning that I did this summer with my... Uh, my summit that I do, my interviews that I did about violence. Right. Okay. Well, it sounds like when you talked about a little earlier the em empathy and how you try to help the uh, students, the children that you work with, to help better connect with themselves in terms of the situation that you have identified in some way. So a reflective practice, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah? It I didn't hear that your question. Sorry. It was more a statement. It's more about, from what I heard you say about the empathy and the approach where you're trying to get the individual to connect with themselves, it's uh, what I would identify as reflective practice where you ask... Exactly, you yes. Ask, you ask reflect the, yeah. what's not working and how come you don't see it, you know, like... and. I say I propose different solution or I approach the problem a different angle mm -hmm. or I speak out loud what I'm doing right and doing so it really helped the the children to understand the concept yeah and I would think too and I, you know I'm a reflective practitioner and I use the reflective approach in terms of questions, open-ended, active listening, asking the individual to connect with themselves so that they are more self-aware and then they have the power within to identify and determine and decide what to do. And I think that's the true power when individuals can decide for themselves how to navigate through a situation or circumstance. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yes. So you're involved with work with women who have experienced domestic slash intimate partner violence and abuse. Yeah. Why have you decided to involve yourself with this type of work? Uh, because uh, I, my, I think I find my purpose. I, I, I do care very much about the well-being of women in the world. And I think if the woman is thriving, then the children will thrive, and we will have a better society after that. And so what does it mean to you in terms of trying to do this work? How, how long have you been doing it? And then you can go to what it means to you. I, didn't, I start to uh, volunteer for shelters and be speaker for shelter, fundraising uh, for them. You know, like I, I try to help them out that way. And then uh, I decide to do this project of uh, interviewing either survivor or 
special people who work with women who's been in abu- domestic violence mostly, but it could have been any kind of uh, violence, abuse, you know, like child abuse, sexual abuse, any kind uh, of abuse that, you know, like people who are were on my show, they were specialists or survivor of some sort of uh, abuse. Okay. And so the what you're referring to is an initiative you've uh, recently presented, yes. and it was titled... Well, it ended, but it, it kind of uh, it will transform to something else, you know, like, I mean, the listening and the visioning of the interview as stop for the moment, but it means it's just on hold at this point. I, I'm, I'm, I will attempt to do it again, maybe in the near future. Yeah, and I, I would say it's a pause. It's yeah, a, it's, it's, a, a pause it's a moment right of reflection now. to see yes. what happened, to see what what could be best done next. And yes, you exactly. titled it Thriving After Trauma. What was the purpose of the initiative? Is to uh, to really uh, speak about it. You know, like to to because the more we speak about it, the more we understand. And having different point of view, different approach, help understand the problem. And when you understand the problem, it's easier to bring up solution. Yeah, and it must have been something profound for the individuals who were partaking in this situation, the series of... uh, uh, of events that you, you know, each of the presentations, they told their story. Yes, correct. How did you and get some them? Some of them uh, were really graphics in the sense that, you know, like it was like a movie, you know, like you you could imagine yourself in the movie, you know, like a, it was so graphic. And it's, it was not for everyone to listen to, <laughs> let me tell you. But uh, some of them, some of the feedback that I got is that, oh, this one was so good, you know, like so, you know, like it was real, you know, like real life story. Right. How did you get the uh, women to present themselves in such a vulnerable way? It's just, uh, actually, you know what, I asked them to prepare the question for me to ask. So it kind of left them ownership of the interview. Yeah, they had the power. They have the power to say what they want to say. Yeah. Or not say what they don't want to say. Yeah. That was the the good part. Yeah. And um, and I like that because they, they take... They take charge in a way. They they had ownership in a in a way of the interview. Well, that goes back to what you mentioned a little bit earlier about the working with students, where you're providing a space and a place for the students to connect with their own power. Yes, and, and likewise yeah. with this initiative, it was an opportunity for the women who've experienced profound, traumatic, lived experiences to have that ownership of their own circumstance and how they wanted to basically frame the message. 
Yes, yes, yes. And I've, you know, like it's through one of my interview that I realized that there is three steps to a woman who's been in trauma. You know, like first she's been a victim of trauma, mm-hmm. and after that, when she got her stuff together, take 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 a breath and and then and then decide to take action because they see that they can get help, then they became survivor. Right. And that's a, that's but a word. Surviving, that's, yeah. That's, it's not a way of living. It's not living. So I want those women not to survive, but to thrive. Okay. And in order to, to stay away from the survival mood, it takes a while because... There is always that little pattern that come back and haunt you, you know, like you're not good enough, you know, like you're you're not enough, you know, like it, it's it's really the self-esteem because it's been destroyed by the abuser, and it's for you to you know, like as a as a victim to you to lift you up and be a survivor, but now that you want to thrive, you really, really know, you really have to know what you want in life and what you desire. Well, there would be a purpose or an intention with... Yes, with correct. ...with regard to your living. Um, it's more like the survivor is in existence. You're going through the motions of life and you're not necessarily connecting with the moments to help you contribute to your moments yeah they're, they're being imposed on you many times where you don't have that ownership you know especially in abusive relationships where the intimate partner the former partner has pretty well gaslighted you're familiar with the terminology gaslighting yes correct right yes. so the for the benefit of uh the listeners out 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 there, it's gaslighting basically is where someone has a lived experience and then, especially with abuse, uh, trauma, violence, and the perpetrator uh, minimizes or denies it and makes it seem like to the victim, the person who's the focus of all that negative, violent yeah. behavior, that there's something wrong with them, not with yes, the person who course. had the behavior. Yes, there's something wrong with them. Yeah, I have one lady was living with that, you know, like, oh, is, is it something wrong with me, you know? Yeah. And then she realized, no, nothing was wrong with with her, is that he, he was manipulating the situation. And they get, they get so good at it, <laughs> really good. Yeah, that, that's basically what it is. It's a manipulation of reality that mm-hmm. is supposed mm-hmm. to only go through the perpetrator or the person, the abuser, to be the one in control or power that marginalizes the person who's a, the focus of all that attention and the one who suffers from all that attention. And, you know, the violence can be physical for sure. The violence yeah. is also through the words, the language. Yes, the, the language. And that we don't pay enough attention, I find, today, that the words, kind of abuse i find it's not the bruise that you see but the scarf you have in your mind 
Yeah, I, I'm. You and I had a conversation on Zoom when we first met, and I think I brought to your attention about a woman who I've had on here in the past. I'll just say her first name, Helen. Helen's written a book or two, actually, about her lived experience with domestic violence, and I met her at the family court at 311 Jarvis Street, and her circumstance was such that she kept going to the authorities, and they would say to her, well, I don't see any bruises or broken arms or uh, that kind of physical uh, repercussions on you, so therefore we can't do anything because yeah they, they don't have the they don't have a proof yeah they need that physical harm. proof and 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 that that's too bad it, 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 it something has to be changed in the system of justice system for me in my situation i have scars but despite of that because of the reputation that francophone people have in court back then in 89, uh, I passed for a crazy French woman. So the, the stabbing, you know, the guy stabbed me and I had evidence. Yeah. And they play a deal. I find that it's awful, you know, like you've been attacked by a a knife and and the charge been dismissed. It's 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 it's. Where was this experience in Toronto or somewhere in else? In Toronto, yes, in Toronto. And that was through the criminal court system. It was for the criminal court, exactly. And when did you, from from the experience of that, where did you go next in terms of the? the circumstance that you experienced with your former partner? Well, when when they find out that he stabbed me, my girlfriend phoned the police and all that, but the police interfered right away. They brought me to the hospital to get some stitches, mm -hmm. and um, they brought him to jail. And then what happened? Was he released soon after? Uh, no, they when they ha he has to go to court. Like, uh, yeah, he had to go to court. And when he went to court, he play guilty for something else, another charge. I don't even remember even the charge. And this charge was dismissed. So at the time, the you no, know, he spent two months in jail. Because because he was in jail, they went fast on on that particular charge, because he did, they didn't want him to be in jail for too long, or if they had to, you know. So the the uh, because you mentioned there were a number of charges and what and some of them related directly to you and the the stabbing, though those were minimized or marginalized. And yes, they were not given the proper due respect with the situation and those were the compromise that the crown negotiated with your ex in terms of that yeah yeah and i find that terrible it's you know like that they will do such a deal yeah so i just want to reference back to helen 
when I met her, she was coming to the court telling her story or trying to get um, the authorities, the police or the, the, the advice council to get some kind of recognition, acknowledgement, and they would say there was no kind of physical proof of it, yet his, his violence were through his words and his manner and his tone. And so she just took ownership of that and transitioned herself to empower herself with her own voice. She's written a, a couple of books. And I, I mentioned to you in that Zoom call that it would be great to connect you with her because I think yes, there needs yes, to I be there needs to be a, a broader focus on the issues that women experience with regard to the violence uh, that results in trauma and keeps a legacy. And so, how, how with your thrive to survive, uh, thriving after trauma, how did you get people? How did you recruit the women? Oh, uh, actually, it's word of mouth. Uh, if I talk to one lady and she say, well, I need more people, and then I talk to this other people that she referred to, and this one refer a bunch of other people. So it's kind of a ribble effect. Yeah. You know, like, a, a, you know, like they... I was supported. I felt supported in a way that, you know, like a lot of people been referring someone else. Yeah. So if I was gathering all my speaker in one room, you know, like there is a first degree <laughs> connection with every one of them. Yeah, so it's like a network of yeah, individuals. Yeah, it was kind of a network, you know, like, yes. Unfortunate network, I would say. Well, Yes and no. Uh, yeah, I know. Because, I know you're going to go uh, to the yes, yeah, too, for sure. Yeah, it's a network, and, and uh, uh, we all driving for for stopping that. You know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, I have a woman who's who's um, uh, start of a, a organization, Courage in Action. You know, like to j- actually recruit the women who are in transition or in shelter or in groups and wants to offer them a day of their life and have speaker talking to them and and all that but with the covid everything been yeah been uh, shut down and and uh, yeah and uh, those women uh, you know, like they feel for once in their life treated with respect and and cherished. You know, and she was saying that to me in her interview, which to say it's amazing. You know, like, but we all want that for those women who's been in situation, and uh, the system, the justice system, doesn't do them justice. But we want, we know, because we've been through that. And we know, so we want to help them. There is so much help now, it's incredible. You know, when I was saying earlier that it was, it's a network and it's unfortunate, it's just in, in inferring with regard to the whole nature of the circumstances of these events that they actually happen, because they do happen. They happen under the watchful eye of many people. Many people don't speak up and speak out about it. They keep it quiet. 
because there's a, a stigma maybe attached to it. And so then the, the reframe of that networking is that people can find strength with others. And you know the idiom, you're not alone, is so profound in this situation where women can feel like I'm not alone. Someone else is actually sharing this. They would understand me best. They can help support me with this, through this. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just ironic, too, that there's so many people who knew each other. Oh, yeah, I know someone else. I know someone else. Yes. And that's the networking, too, of the, you know, the stuff that happens in the dark. Yeah. In yeah, our lives. Yeah. 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 So, so how would you define the word victim? Oh, good question. A victim, it, well, uh, for what what we know about victim is that someone who's been, um, anybody who's experienced a form of abuse or lost, that's the definition. Uh, but victim, you know, like the word victim, mm-hmm. when you say, I am a victim, the the word I am, the statement to say I am, yeah. is very strong. And when you say a victim, a kind of lower vibration, you are a victim. Okay, we identify you as a victim, but are you a victim in your mind? Yeah, and that, that was a question I'm going to ask you. Who identifies, quote, the term victim? The individual who's experienced the circumstance or the individual the external, the external who, from them? The external people who identify them as a victim. Maybe that's not a good word, yeah. It, to it, identify, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. but um, because they need help. You know, like when people are being a victim of something, some sort, yeah. They need help, and we cannot turn a blind eyes on that. So they need to to be listened to and take it seriously when when they've been a victim. But after the, we identify them as a, the victim, the victim or herself or himself, because it could be a man too, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like it. They cannot stay a victim for very long because they will not move. They will not progress. They're always going to stay a victim if they keep saying to themselves, I'm a victim. Well, if everybody external to them tells them they're a victim, don't people after a period of time believe that notion? That's their identity? They are a victim? Thus, well, yeah, they do believe it, yeah. but when when they realize that they will not, because they cannot they cannot move forward in life if they call themselves a victim, and it, it's just it, it it doesn't give them any power over their life. Right, and that's the you know that's what we're trying to unpack here because the the nature of the conversation is the. Con- the transformation, the evolving transformation after trauma from victim to survivor to thriver. And so when people take the sense that, oh, I'm told I'm a victim, 
then I believe I'm a victim. And unfortunately, there are individuals who continue to be within that kind of mindset. And, and then there's a need for them, and I know what your purpose is, to try to stimulate them, provoke them to move on through that. Yes, yes. It's important because they cannot, you know, like even my neighbor here, I find themselves, they feel like they are victim of their circumstance. They are victim, and there is that kind of people that make the society that always complain and find themselves victimized of everything. And when that's... that's what bring everything down. You know, like we want a society that thrives. And in order to thrive, you have to take responsibility for what you have in your life. And, and it, it, even me, you know, like the, more, the word responsibility scared the shit out of me. I'm sorry to use that uh, on the radio, but scare me very much. That taking responsibility, be responsible for your life. So when you nobody will take it for you. So when we talk about the next form of identity with this three of uh, victim, survivor to thriver, how would you identify survivor? Well, the survivor, you know, like did action, you know, like got themselves out of it, uh, but they are surviving. And what does that mean, though? I'll, I'll give my I'll give my two cents. It but... means that they get certain needs met. Yeah. Uh, they move forward, but they feel that they just surviving. They're not getting what they want yet. So something like going through the motions again. Well, it's another level. Motion, but yes, working to get it better, but still surviving, not having them thriving yet. And I consider someone who's thriving, who's really wanted to reach for their dreams and their goal in life. Yeah, I've, not everyone who's thriving. I, I've always, and we're not thriving all the time either, because even myself, I find that I find that it's so difficult to always be in a thriving mood, you know. And sometimes you just want to sit back and relax and just survive, survive the day, you know. Like tomorrow, it's another day. It's okay, you know, like, it's, it, it, sometimes I go back and forth, you know, like, I'm still a survivor when I get in my little pattern that I used to and feel, feel sorry about myself, you know, like, and even sometimes I go back to victim, you know, like, hey, you know, like, I'm a human being, but, you know, like, I, it's to reach for your goal, you know, like, that's the thriving in everybody's. Well, mine on the survivor, I've always struggled with that term. And the reason why is that, like you, and I'm sensing there's a shared perspective on this, that it's a very limited type of lived experience. Yeah. People have gone, you know, they've been victimized, 
and they've navigated from that to this another le- this other level as a survivor yet that itself represents to me a limited situation that yes. people go in circles in many times they don't move out from that survivor mode yeah. and it it really is a confine that doesn't provide for the best and healthiest lived experience for the individual to mm-hmm. excel and then the next step is the thrive the thriver so i've always pushed back in some way within my world working with people who struggle with conflict negative conflict and teaching and coaching with domestic violence and that where the, the term survivor is used and it's to say that that needn't be your end point the next step and the more fulfilling one that i uh, i've experienced myself and i had it from my own mother's experiences and i was firsthand with watching her go through her her matters her issues mm-hmm. with my own birth father so i totally can respect and appreciate the circumstances because even by extension my own birth father was said to me at one point when I was a teen that if you stay with your mother, I'm going to make you pay. So, which he did. So, I'm, you know, and the reason why I do a lot of the work that I do and the purpose is really from my mother's own lived experiences and I've taken that as an opportunity to try, like you, to extend my own opportunity with others to help them support themselves to work through their circumstance to a better place. So you as a, a person who's now reached, and I know you said you're a human being and every day is different, ideally you identify as a, a, a thriver, is that? Yes, yes, definitely, yes. So how do you identify the difference from survivor to thriver? Well, like, for instance, I declare, you know, like just to have concrete example is that I own a, I'm in the home that I own, mm-hmm. and I'm a teacher, and I make good money as a teacher. Uh, I have uh, good friends, good relationship, and uh, I have adult children, and they are doing pretty good. For me, I'm successful, and... I'm going to go for even more now if I can reach out those women and coach those women and and living help them living because when you help other people to succeed you are even you are thriving yeah 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 I'd say totally that um that's the reward I believe individuals such as yourself Yes. Are looking for it's an intrinsic yes. reward it's something in, inside of you that you can appreciate others who who have or are going through these realities that you in some way shared through your own perspective and you see the benefit of helping them navigate through these not around them not to avoid them because you know the richness of going through something, even though it's so vulnerable and profound in many ways, that the rewards on the other side of it or through it 
can be so much more mm-hmm. positive. Yes, that's right. So what type of effect has sheer trauma had on you? Because you've talked a, a bit about that, and you talked that you're a human being. You identify as a thriver, though certain days you uh, might feel well, this way or that the, way. The trauma, actually, yeah. uh, I was going through trauma even in my childhood. I had a mother who really was... Uh, uh, abusive, uh, abusive uh, verbally with me, and then I, of course, I choose someone, a partner who was the same way as my mother, and so what effect had on me is having really low self-esteem. Any, mm-hmm. you know, like I didn't think I was good enough for anybody. I was not good enough to get a decent man. I was not good enough to. Uh, to um, to have a successful uh, career, you know, like I was not good enough for anything, you know, like, uh, and and it took me a long time to build that up, you know. And it's through education, through self development, to therapy, to support group that I build that self esteem, and. Um, and now to see where I am today, you know. Even now, sometimes I derail, you know, like I feel like I'm not good enough. And and it's totally normal. It's a hard programming. I have to reprogram my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I also, the, the book that changed my life and all my interview is, a book from Louise A. It's called You Can Heal Your Life. And uh, she works with affirmations. It's like reprogramming your I am. I am. Who, who are you, Louise? You know, like I'm asking myself, who am I? Mm-hmm. And and every day I do, I do a few affirmations of who I could be so I can stay. I can stay in my right frame of mind so I can be thriving. Yeah, it's like the the, the reframe, the rewiring. Yeah, reframe, yes, yeah, correct. You're, you're taking it from, quote, uh, a perceived or understood negative to something more hopeful or positive and trying to rewire your mindset to be more consistent with this positive nature you may not yeah. be bubbly all the time. It's a reality that you, as an individual, have the power to control. And that's, I think that's the greatest reward, where yeah, you can feel is. you own your own power. Yeah. And take responsibility to, to who you are. And, and loving, self-love, it's so important. It's all across my interview. It's about self-love. Self-esteem, self-love—it's so important. And if you're not perfect, we are not perfect. That's fine. But love your imperfection. That's my message because that's what put your personality. That's give you your charisma. Is you know, like you loving your own imperfection. Yeah. Well, it's okay. Louise is like that. Louise is like that. You know, like, and that's it. 
Yeah, and you have ownership of what you say. And at the same time, I would I would take that and frame it maybe slightly different. Say, you know, love who you are. Yes, love who you are. Yeah, how you the identify good and yourself. Bad and the ugly too. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you know. Yeah, that's and why. And if you don't want to love the ugly, then change. Well, that's why and I do radio. You to change. I do radio. They told me I look good for radio. You look, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. You got a good voice anyway. <laughs> That's for sure, for Thank the radio. You're good for radio because you have a great voice. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. So when, how long did it take for you to transition yourself through these identifying natures of self from victim survivor to thriver how long was that journey and i i believe when i say was i'm sure it still is yeah yes uh i think i've been mentioning uh 1989 you mentioned the situation with uh your former partner when the the you went to the he, he was stabbing you etc yes yeah well, that though was a build-up. I'm sure the circumstances that were events were happening before. How did you? Because what I'm trying to get at is the mindset, the shift for you. How long did that journey has it taken for you to be where you're at? Hmm. Well, it's true. Uh, the shift. Well, it's. Through self-development, you know, like in 1995, I did a course that really changed my life. I was resigned. I would say, well, I'm born for a little bread. We say that in French. Uh, and then I was resigned. And then I, after this course that changed my life, I decide, no, anything is possible. Louise, don't settle. Anything is possible. So let me pinpoint that. How did you get to that point? Like, where was the point of self-awareness that helped you connect with that thought that you then took as your next new step to be the frame for the future? Oh. Well, after I did in 95 this course, then, then I kept going of going for my dream and reaching for my dream and reaching for my goal and and finding the people in my life and finishing my school because mm -hmm. in 95 I was finishing uh, finishing my um, my BA at that time so I guess when I went back to university, it, it, it changed my mind. You know, I could be thinking, reading, and learning. Uh, if, you know, like it, that's when it changed mm -hmm. my frame of work. I, I have to admit that education is the key. In what way? For the poverty and anything that related to violence, 
if you are more educated about it, the better you are and you realize things. So you incre- increase your own awareness, your the information that you present yeah. to yourself to process and try to make sense of. You, yes. And it, it, it gives you that sense of power within. Yes. The, the you know like uh, get yourself an education you know and it, it was right through my interview all the women were saying what will you say to those women and I would say get an education get an education mm-hmm. and and that gave you all the power and you know like I have one actually um, uh, Samir. Uh, Samra, she wrote a book, The Good Wife. You know, like she, she, she was pursuing her dream of getting an education, and she never, never gave it up. And she was insisting on that. And my first Sandy, she, the one, the one who, uh, who uh, started a, a foundation for for the woman, and uh, she say, you know, like the, the the thing that I did, you know, like if I was gonna ask, uh, if I was gonna tell a secret to my younger myself, is to get an education. Yeah, because you're sooner initi- than later. Your initiative, thriving after trauma, presented twenty one uh, scenarios, tw- twenty one individuals who were open to sharing about their lived experiences with yeah the trauma and yeah how they processed that and how they dealt with that mhm so what does this conversation mean to you it's important to 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 have that conversation because we want the woman to not just survive but to thrive and this the more we talk about it the better it is because if the woman can thrive we you know like and realize that they can get what they want in life no matter what everything is possible then we became a, a thriving society you know like and it goes down as a legacy for their children, you know. Yeah, <laughs> for you, for example, you're when you say legacy, it's you're setting a, as a role model, an example yes, for correct, your you know. your children to say, "Yeah, my mom went through all this and all that, and if I went through that, I don't know if I could have. My mom has succeeded; she's thrived." despite the circumstances of her life yeah. and not kept the mindset that she had to stay within where a society identifies people who go through these situations as victims or survivors, that she's actually excelled and she's growing from this and there's development with that. And you talk about the education that helps contribute to the self-esteem and the sense of new mindset Mm-hmm. So what what are next steps for you regarding your initiative and other related efforts to assist and support women with their traumas? 
uh, wh- what's the next step is I would like to offer uh, some workshop for self-esteem or to build boundaries to with the people around you because uh, often uh, someone who's been a victim of violence, they are people pleaser and they have lack of boundary and that's why they get abused because they don't set the boundary. So learn how to set up boundary because that's where I have difficulty with because I'm still a people pleaser despite of, of, of that and because that's my personality. But I have to learn how to to build boundaries. So I wanted to offer maybe some workshop on that. Mm-hmm. And eventually I would like to create another series of interview. But this time I wanted to do it men that are working, like men like you who are working to eliminate the violence in the world. And because we cannot do it without them, with their, without their t- collaboration. We cannot do it alone. We need their collaboration. So I to- that's what I, I would like I to totally explain. concur with what you're, you know, you're saying and what your intentions are. And, you know, well, uh, my mindset is works through a, instead of conflict as a, quote, a mediator, it works through a, a mindset of change. People struggle with change in their yeah. lives. And how they deal with those or connect with those moments can go down, quote, a negative path I had or a one path. speaker who's dealing with everybody who needs, you know, who's dealing with change. Yeah. And she's separate. Oh, my God. I have it on, I have a link on my, um, on my page, uh, driving with Louise. Uh, oh, no, it's uh, with my group, driving uh, after trauma. It's the link that it's a, a kind of a framework that she's working with 5E, you know, like the emotion, you know, like you, I, I don't know the 5E by heart, but I find it, and it, she's working with people dealing with change. Right. You know, you're losing your job, you you know, like you get a divorce, or you you going through a change. That's one thing that's consistent in life is everything mm-hmm. is changing all the time. Right. And we have, as a human being, because we have the instinct and it's in our DA of surviving, and we don't like the change because we are afraid of not being able to survive if the change happens. You know, like it's kind of in our DNA. That's why we, it's hard to, to thrive because we have that instant inside of us of surviving. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we've got to deal with the change and ha- learn how and educate yourself at how you could deal with the change. And now with what we're going through with the COVID, we are face to face. Hey, baby, this is a change. Yeah. You have no choice. You have to deal with it. Yeah, and I, I present about dealing with our unexpecteds because uh, we have this mindset that life is, we should be a certain way. And then when something comes from the side or from below or above and we didn't expect it, we don't know how to connect with those moments because, again, life is constant change. So it tends to happen to us. 
and I think the ideal is to happen for us, where we exactly. can take the it's moment the and reframe yeah, it. That we should, you know, like I, I always say, everything happens for a reason, and the reason is to for your own benefits. It might not look at that way now, mm-hmm. but it's for your own benefit. At some point in time in the future. Yes, at some point in time in the future, you will see the benefits of it. Yeah, the rewards of that. But I am who I am because of everything I've been through in life. Yeah, and I I say to people, be kind to oneself. Stop beating oneself up so much. Exactly, yes. What do you want people to learn from our conversation today? Well, I want them to... um, to speak up, and and it's not just it's a, any anybody's business, you know. Like it's also important to never turn a blind eye eyes on violence. If you know someone that has been abused, please listen to them. That's what I want them to know, and it's in. Um, I want them to. To, the, to know that it's everybody's business to stop the violence. Though there are people who just don't want to hear that stuff. Well, yeah, but it's everybody's business, and that's why we still have violence to this day, yep. because you think it's not your business. It does. It, that's their problem. I have my own stuff to deal with. I don't want to hear that stuff. Uh, yeah, well, that's, I'm sorry. It's another way of not being responsible for your own life and the life of others around you. Mm-hmm. So how can people learn more about your efforts with trauma transformation? Well, I wanted to, um, you know, like if the, I, I find a, a website very, very, very uh, helpful, and I've been looking at it many times for my studying, and I think I'm going to offer it. Not offer it. It, It's a program. It's called uh, studyofviolence.com, www.studyofviolence.com. There there is all kinds of stuff that explain about violence. For for my part, uh, if they want to reach me, they can reach me at louise at thrivingwithlouise.com. That's L O U I S E. I just want to clarify. Filled yet, Louise? It's L O U I S E. Yes, at thrivingwithlouise.com. Okay. And my my website will be thrivingwithlouise.com, but it it's not up yet. It's in construction at the moment as we speak. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress, that's right. Like we all But are. they can reach me on, on my email. If they want to connect with me, they can reach me at louise at thrivingwithlouise.com. Okay. I, w- I just want to do a shout-out, too, to someone who we're both connected to, a good friend of mine, Mary Lou. She's the one that connected me with you. Yes. So I said to Mary Lou, I'll do a shout-out for her. that's good that's good she would appreciate that so I want to thank you very much for having this conversation with me and I would welcome an opportunity for you to revisit and to help us to more 
fully inform and educate the public about the whole conversation of trauma and domestic violence and abuse, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay. Yes. Yes, for sure. I will do that. Yes, okay. definitely. Thank you very we much. We keep in touch, yeah. and uh, I hope your listener. Uh, learn something from us today. <laughs> well, I'm going to edit the show and make it as a podcast. I'll probably do that for later this week and upload it for public access. So okay. So that a little further the conversation. Thank All you right. very much. Have Thank a, you. Have a good night. You too. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I want to thank uh, Louise and say we'll see you next week. Take care.